Hey guys, before I start this episode, I just wanted to take a minute to let you know that I am releasing new Whiskey Noobs merch just in time for the holidays. It should all be available right now at the link in my Instagram bio, at Whiskey underscore Noobs, the link in my TikTok bio, at Whiskey Noobs Podcast, or just by looking up Whiskey Noobs on Etsy. We have a new ball cap, a beanie, and a new shirt that is definitely my favorite shirt to date. Of course, the previous merch is still available as well, so don't forget to add it to your Christmas list. I even restocked the Whiskey Noobs logo Glen Cairns, which I I do currently make by hand as of the recording of this, so if you missed out on those last time, make sure to get them while they're still in. Buying merch is one of the best ways you can support the show and help me justify not only the endless hours of editing, but also the constant visits to the liquor store. Thank you to everybody who has bought merch so far, and now let's get back to your regularly scheduled program. Should whiskey be enjoyed on ice? What are the staples of bourbon that you should have? And what is my hottest take in terms of bourbon? What's up, guys? My name is Chris, and I am the host of the Whiskey Noobs Podcast, which you are listening to right now. And today we have yet another Q&A episode for the show. So this is an episode where I go through and answer all of your guys' questions that come to me through Instagram. You can submit a question on Instagram on Wednesdays. I have a sticker on my story. You can click that sticker and send in a question for the podcast and I will answer it. We do have a lot of questions this month, as we did last month, so I'm going to get into it here pretty quickly. Thank you so much to everybody who submitted the questions. As I mentioned, we do have a lot again this time, so I will be doing a lightning round as I did last time. We will see if I can condense this into a slightly shorter episode with this many questions um, with using this, this lightning round technique, so we'll see. But before that, I do have a mystery whiskey that I am going to taste pretty quickly. I need to be a little quick about it because, as I mentioned, we have a lot of questions. So this is a mystery whiskey review. I am going to taste a whiskey that has been on the last 10 episodes or the 10 review episodes of the show, I should say, which is approximately the past 20 episodes. It's been in the past 10 review episodes. I have had it on the, the podcast within that many episodes. I'm going to try it, give you some notes, and you can try to guess what it is. And then I will reveal it at the end of the episode to try to help with blind tasting skills and remembering the different notes that different whiskeys have. So without further ado, let's do that right now. So this whiskey is definitely oily on the tongue. It has a sweetness of what I would consider probably honey and a very certain amount of, of graininess in it. It's got some other notes going on as well, but that's all you get for right now. And I will revisit that at the end of the episode. So without further ado, I have selected five questions that I will answer as basically full questions, and then the rest are going to a lightning round because we have a pretty lengthy lightning round. So five questions, I think for now that is fair. I'll select five that I don't think I've necessarily answered before explicitly maybe, or I just think it's a good conversation to have that maybe we haven't had in a while. I'll select those five, and then the other ones we will run through here uh, rather rapidly in the lightning round, about as fast as I can. So starting off with the first question, this person says, noob here, so they're a newbie, should some whiskeys be enjoyed by ice or warm? And when is it a must? So do you need to have your whiskey on ice or warm in certain occasions, and when is it a must? So this is one of those things that's that's definitely an opinion. Uh, some people have different philosophies about it. So my take on this is that no whiskey has to be enjoyed anyway. You can enjoy any whiskey in any way that you'd like. Um, and the only way to truly know the profile of a whiskey, though, the only way to be able to say, I know the flavor that is Jack Daniels, let's say, 
in my opinion, the only way to do that is to try it all of the ways. I try it room temperature, try it with a drop of water, try it with ice, try it all the ways, try it shaken with ice and strained, whatever. You know, maybe that's a little bit extreme, but in my opinion, that's the best way to fully know the profile of a whiskey is to know it in all of those different conditions. You do not have to specifically drink a whiskey in any type of condition. Um, in my personal, very biased, very subjective opinion, the best way for that I like it is neat because I feel like I'm getting the unadulterated, unchanged whiskey. I'm just getting just the whiskey at room temperature. But it doesn't make neat any better than any other way of drinking whiskey for sure. And everybody has a different favorite. So in my opinion, should it be enjoyed on ice or warm? And when is it a must? Whenever you deem it a must and should it be enjoyed either of those ways? Well, you should try it both of those ways. And if you like one more than the other, then that's the way that you'll probably just naturally find yourself going with. That's basically what happened for me. I mean, I used to drink it on ice more often than I do now because I just started realizing, you know, I like it more neat. That's just the way that I enjoy it. It's easy. You dump it into a glass. I prefer it in a Glencairn. I prefer being able, I like that Glencairns make it so much easier to nose the whiskey. And that's just how I drink it. And I try to keep it simple. And if I want to really, really learn about a whiskey, like if I find a whiskey that I really like, maybe I will try it all of the ways so that I can really learn a lot about it. Um, but there's no time that you have to do any one of those ways. Moving on to question number two here, we have, how do bourbons get all of the unique notes and flavors if they all come from the same processes? Now, I do kind of answer this in episode number 38, but I did want to take a second to at least talk about it. So check out episode number 38 if you ask this question or if you're curious. But I will talk a little bit about it just because I feel like I haven't visited in a while the fact that bourbons do all taste different. And I think a very important aspect of this is people say, well, how do bourbons taste different if it's all the same processes and they're aged in all the same barrels? Well, the thing that bourbon has that single malt scotch doesn't have is bourbon has different mash bills. So with scotches, sure, you have all these unique barrels. I'm talking about single malt specifically. Sure, you have all of these unique barrels, but you have to have just malted barley. And there are different strains of malted barley, and that's what we're about to get into right here with bourbon. This also applies to single malts, is that you have not only different ratios of different types of grains, you also have different types of each of those grains, different grains grown in different areas that are going to have slightly different flavors. So with bourbon, you have a mash bill. It's not a single malt, so it's not just malted barley. You've got a mash bill of a bunch of different types of grains. So a lot of times it's corn, barley, rye, and maybe wheat. And those are those are very common ingredients to have in your bourbon. And different ratios of those, you have to have at least 51% corn for a bourbon. But aside from that, it's all fair game. So different ratios of all of those different things are going to give you different flavor profiles. That's where Weeded Bourbon came from when W.L. Weller, William LaRue Weller, you might have heard of him from the Weller lineup of bourbons, Weeded Bourbons, he decided, you know, what if we got rid of the rye and we put wheat in instead? And that gave it a super different flavor profile. So it is using the same processes. And a lot of times, you know, there's different rules. You can only uh, come out of the still at, I believe, 160 proof, but don't quote me on that. There's there's all these rules that it has to follow, and it has to be aged in the same barrels, but the base ingredients can vary pretty widely with a bourbon, except for the fact that you have to have at least 51% corn, and a lot of times you have more than 51% corn. But those things change it, and then there's also, I mean, it goes even farther. You can make two bourbons, so take Weller Special Reserve and Weller Antique. I 
identical bourbons, basically, except Weller Antique is 107 proof, whereas Special Reserve is 90 proof. And it tastes very different. So just changing the proof can get you somewhere. Just changing the mash bill. Just changing where it's aged at in the warehouse or rickhouse can make a huge difference. If it's aged on a higher floor, it's going to see more temperature sways. And so the wood is going to expand and contract more often because of those temperature swings. And the the bourbon's going to interact with the wood a lot more. On those lower floors, it's going to be a lot more stable. And that when it's more stable like that, a lot of times you're able to age it a little bit longer without losing too much to the angel share. And so that's the other aspect of it is you can just age it differently. I think a very great way to paint this picture is to look at Benchmark 8 versus Buffalo Trace versus Eagle Rare. Three bourbons with the same mash bill different ages and there's other differences that we probably don't know about like locations in the warehouse maybe the distillation the way it's done some distillers take pride in the different shapes of their stills some stills are taller than others there are all of these things that can actually impact the flavor so i go into the different things that give whiskey its flavor in episode number 38 so that's kind of a quick overview of it but the moral of the story is yeah all bourbons definitely do not taste the same um and that also goes for single malts that also goes for single pot stills over in Ireland. It goes for all of them. They they don't all taste the same. So it's that's what makes most of the fun of it is that you get to try all those different kinds. But that's a good question. All right. So moving on to our next question. We've got would you ever have guests on Zoom on the podcast? So I actually have had guests via Zoom. Um, Daryl McNally and I in episode 81, that was a Zoom call that we had. Um, I try with guests to not use zoom actually so i know that the focus of this question is obviously not the zoom but i'm getting there (laughs) but my point is that um zoom is a little bit more difficult because you don't get at least with the one that i've used you don't get separate audio i don't get my audio and the guests audio which makes it a lot harder for editing um and so the reason i'm telling you this is because you need a service in order to do these virtual interviews that Uh, works well with you. I do have one that I use, but it doesn't work with Apple products. And I didn't realize that until recently. And so that's a little bit of a challenge. And then most of the other ones, most of the big dogs cost money. And I probably am looking into getting a, a membership to one of them here soon, especially as I've been ramping up um, the the virtual interviews. And then I'm guessing this question also, the other side of that question is like, why don't you post the videos of the interviews? And this just isn't a video podcast at the moment. I don't have the time to do the video editing right now. That'd be a lot of video editing. And I pump a lot of time into the social medias um, in making not just editing these videos and, and putting them out there, but also making new content, new videos that I come out with basically every single day. So the moral of the story is video episodes, hopefully coming down the, down the line when I have some more time for editing and um, when I work on that and, and work out all the kinks. And then more guests in terms of interviews. The, I, I am working on that. I really enjoy the virtual interviews. I'm glad to see it sounds like you guys are as well. And we will be seeing more virtual interviews and I will be ironing out probably as good as I can um, the best way to do the virtual interviews. I do I do have methods right now. Obviously, I've had a few different people on. Um, Chris from Bourbon of the Week was a virtual interview. Um, Traverse City, Chris Fredrickson. I had a lot of Chris's on the show. Chris Fredrickson, that was a virtual interview. Daryl McNally, 
So I do do the virtual interviews. I just don't have um, the videos posted at at this moment in time. Um, but I'm glad to see that you guys enjoy them, and it sounds like you want more of them, so that's good. I very much enjoy them as well, and I'm certainly working on bringing you guys a lot more um, interviews with people in the industry, um, conversations via the the virtual chat. That you know, that's something that we're very fortunate that we're able to do nowadays is these virtual interviews. And I'm working on bringing a lot more of that type of content to the show. So hopefully this question means that you guys liked it. And hopefully that just means that you're interested in more of them. And in video will be hopefully coming down the line here at, at a certain point. Moving on to the next question. As a bourbon beginner, what are some bourbon staples that I should have max $50 per bottle budget? So this is an interesting question that I want to take some time to unpack. Because one of the things you mentioned, you mentioned the $50 a bottle budget. And I'm going to kind of answer this in a weird way. I don't think you should go up to the $50 budget yet if you're a beginner. I think you should stay at least sub 40, maybe even sub 30 for a little while and learn what you like. So I just talked about all those factors that can affect uh, the way that a pro- the profile that a whiskey has especially the mash bill being a big one, learn more about that in the budget range. Learn more about high rise versus weeded bourbons versus just bourbon. Learn more about all those things in the budget range and then move on to the the $50-ish range. Because then when you move up along the shelves, then you're going to be buying things that you're more likely to like. And I don't mean that, and I've said this a bunch of times, because, and I realize I don't want to give off the wrong impression. I don't just mean to like stay away from something if you didn't like it once. If you didn't like the first weeded bourbon that you try, don't just stay away from weeded bourbon forever. But it can just give you a good idea, especially for those splurge bottles. Now, $50 is budget for some people. That is, that is still lower shelf. But my point is that you can learn a lot even on lower shelves. Uh, no matter how much money you have in your bank account, you can still learn from those $30 whiskeys. They're still going to be the same whiskey to you, right? But let's just say that $50 is budget to you and you just, or maybe you've learned a lot and you want to branch out into the $50 range. Um, specifically in that range, I like Four Roses Single Barrel a lot. I really enjoy it. It's sweeter. It's slightly bold and but not overly like not punch you in the mouth bold. But speaking of punch you in the mouth bold, I really enjoyed Wild Turkey Rare Breed that we just had on the show. That's about $50 as well. Um, the We just literally just had Woodford Double Oaked and as you heard in the last episode, very big fan of that. Under $50, I could probably go on for a very long time. I enjoy a lot under that price range. Um, Keeping it a little bit cheaper, Russell's Reserve, Normal Maker's Mark, anything from my budget, Bourbon March Madness, all of those are going to be great options. You're going to be able to learn a ton from them, and you're going to be able to learn the different things that you like. If you're able to find them at their $50 price point, most of the Weller lineup is about $50. Really enjoy that lineup as well. Um, so any of those things, any of those, you're going to be able to learn quite a bit from, and you can go back through the the podcast. Like I said, I could, I could go on for a long time about the different whiskeys that you could try and I'll forget plenty of them. But if you go back through the podcast and all the whiskeys that we've had on there, 
Most of the ones that I've had on the show, it's because I think there's something valuable valuable to be learned from it, or it's because somebody requested it and I'm going to try it for the first time. Listen to the episode about it, um, hear what I have to say about it, and maybe that'll help you decide if that's something that you should spend your money on. So that's kind of my, my half answer. I don't really have any staples that I think you have to have, but I think there is a lot to be learned in the sub $50 range. All right, the last long-form question before our lightning round. What is the best memory that I have tied to a glass of whiskey? This is a great question because it made me comb through a bunch of really good whiskey memories. So thank you for asking this question. This is a lot of fun. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about two, I think, actually. So the first one is the first time that I had Jameson Black Barrel, um, specifically because Jameson Black Barrel, we my dad got a bottle of it. Um, this is when I still lived at home and it was very near the holidays. And so I remember like I associate it with the holidays now because he got the bottle. We tried it for the first time and we both really liked it. I very much enjoy Jameson black barrel, by the way, it hasn't been on the show yet. Um, but I really like it. And we had a glass of it and it was really good. Just sitting back, having a glass of whiskey. And then we continued, you know, to try it throughout the holidays because it, it timed up really well that it was like just during the holiday season that we had this bottle. And so now I really strongly attribute it to like, like the Christmas time um, of the year. And I really enjoy that. So that's a great memory with a glass of whiskey. And then the, the second one that I'll say um, was, basically the event that led to me deciding I wanted to start like a collection and not just try this bottle, drink that, try this bottle. I was like, "Eh, I really want to gather up a shelf. Um, And that was my dad, once again, had bought a bunch of different types of whiskey, mostly bourbon, um, because either he was out of state or somebody else was, and there was a total wine. I don't remember to be certain. We don't have total wines. Uh, here in Ohio, or at least not in my area. I don't think in Ohio at all, if I'm not mistaken. But somebody had been out of state, it might have been my dad, might not have, um, and was at a Total Wine. And so he had them buy it or he bought it. I, I truly don't remember very well. Um, but he got a bunch of these different bottles because they have a better selection than we have here. And he's like, I want to try stuff. He was looking up certain stuff that you can't find in Ohio. And was like, I'm going to try different things that, that you can't find in Ohio because they have them there. So he got probably five or 10 bottles between five and 10, I'm going to guess. And the one day it was either spring or summer. So it was, it was like mildly nice outside. I remember, I remember it was sunny outside and we are like, let's try a bunch of these. And we only had a tiny bit. Cause I remember, I remember we didn't get like drunk. So we were definitely having like little amounts, but it was great because it was the first time that I think either of us, but definitely for me, had sat down and tried that many different ones and been able to just sample all these different ones and do a tasting and, you know, oh, I like this one more than that one. Oh, I like that this one has more of this, whereas that one has more of that. It was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And so I still remember that. And that was the the event where I was like, I think I want to be able to do this whenever I want. I want my friends to come over and be able to do this. So I need to have multiple bottles of whiskey. And that is when I started, as I believe I mentioned in a previous episode, uh, 
buying one bottle of whiskey per paycheck and not drinking very much of it. That way I could kind of accumulate a collection over time. That was when I began that. And from there, it was a very quick process. I very quickly fell headfirst into the whiskey hobby. But it all started with that tasting with my dad. So that was a lot of fun. It was a great memory tied to a glass of whiskey. And I appreciate you asking because that was fun to relive that memory a little bit. So thank you. All right, we're going to very quickly revisit this mystery whiskey, and I'm going to give you a couple more notes. I honestly don't remember what notes specifically I gave for this whiskey, but it definitely has a little bit of like a chemically type smell to it, and it has um, for sure some graininess, a little bit of sweetness, and I almost am getting a little bit of like a citrus, more like a lemon than an orange, almost like a lemon zest uh, type smell, which I am almost certain I did not say in the episode for this whiskey, so maybe that'll throw you off a little bit, but um, that's what I'm getting right now. We'll revisit it one last time at the end of the show, and I will tell you what it is. Moving on to the lightning round of questions. Let's see if I can do better than I did last month and actually get through these pretty quickly without being too wordy. Starting with question number one, we have the best whiskey slash bourbon to start someone on who's never tried it. I would say Buffalo Trace if you can get it. That was episode number eight of this show. And if you can't get it, try something from the Budget Bourbon March Madness on Instagram and TikTok. How is Old Carter Rye? Is it worth the money? I have not had it to tell you, honestly, so I can't tell you whether it's worth the money or not. Bourbon or scotch? I can't live with just one of those things, so I cannot answer that question. I love both so much. I have more experience with bourbon, very obviously, but scotch is like this new frontier for me, so I've been really enjoying it. So I can't give you a straight answer for that. I love both of them. Next question, have I had Knob Creek 18? I have not had it, but I want to. I enjoy Knob Creek in general, so I'd like to try it. The next question, my favorite top five. That's a loaded question, so I do talk about a few favorites in the last Q&A episode, so I won't go through that again. But if you want a few of my favorites in different categories, go to the actually any Q&A episode. I get asked about favorites a lot. Um, so top five would take a really long time. But that that's my answer for that. Next question. What do I think of Proper 12? I like it about as much as I like Jameson, but I also haven't had it in a very long time. I definitely haven't had it since my palate's been like significantly developed. So I can't give you a, a full answer, but I remember liking it about as much as Jameson and thinking, oh, this, this is close enough to Jameson. Next question. Have I ever heard of Mike Rose Whiskey Noble? I have heard of it. I have not had it. Do I play any video games? Very rarely, uh, but when I do have time, I have a PC that I use for gaming. I actually built it for editing and kind of gaming, like a hybrid. Very rarely, if any of my friends are listening to this, they'll tell you that I never do because they're always mad that I can't get on. But I, I enjoy PC gaming, and I also have a Nintendo Switch and an Xbox 360, the really old one for those of you youngins listening. Um, not the oldest, but a very old one. Um, I don't use those super often, and then I really enjoy the oculus i do have an oculus quest 2 that i really like but most often it's probably on my pc or on the oculus not as often as i would like it to be just with my schedule with full-time job and podcast the next question what's my favorite proof point to drink this person says they like 92 to 96 typically i like about 100 to 115 sometimes a little bit more sometimes a little bit less Next question, what's the difference between the rye and bourbon process? I don't want to get too deep into these processes, but basically it's almost the same in the United States. It's very similar processes. 
It's also brand new charred oak for rye, but it's 51% rye instead of 51% corn. In, in bourbon, you got 51% corn at a minimum. In rye, you have 51% rye at a minimum. Next question, what's my favorite car that I've ridden or drove in? I haven't been... I haven't ridden in very many like super nice cars, to be honest, but I do remember in high school, one of my buddies got a brand new Camaro and we went for a ride in that. I did not drive it, but I remember that that was a really cool ride to go on. And I also am a big fan of Camaros. I had a 92 Camaro in high school, so I'm a pretty big fan of those. Would we ever see Blanton's out on the shelves and at MSRP? Uh, that will happen sometimes in Ohio. Maybe not on the shelves, but on the shelf behind the counter sometimes. Very rarely. But we'll probably see it more once the hype wears off, which I do see probably happening in the future. Maybe not the super near future, but near in comparison to how long it's been overhyped for at this point. I think I think it'll come back down. What whiskey or bourbon goes well with a cigar? That depends on what type of an experience you want with the cigar. Do you want to notice the cigar or do you want to notice the whiskey? I talk a little bit about that in episode number 39, whiskey. I think it's called like whiskey versus cigars or something like that. It was a cigar special during dry January. This next person says they are a new whiskey drinker. How long does it take to taste the notes? That depends very heavily on your experience with whiskey and with alcohol in general. How much alcohol burn do you get from it? That sort of a thing. Um, episode number 55 will get you started or go back and listen to like the first 10-ish episodes about whiskey. Um, but episode 55 is like a summary that I did after the one-year mark. It'll get you started. My social media, I do a lot of working with the newer folks and giving tips for newer folks on how to taste the notes. So you can also learn a lot from my social media. Do high-priced bourbons really taste that good, or are they expensive because they're rare? Yes and no. It depends on the bourbon and the price. A lot of the ones that are very, very expensive, they are only that expensive because they're rare. Their MSRP price, their their shelf price, if you were to find that on a shelf in Ohio, that is probably about what it's worth. Usually the rare ones are, they taste better than that price by a little bit. And so they end up getting hyped up and sold for a way bigger price. That's outrageous. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a yes and no, it's definitely a case by case basis. This next person says they are new to the scene, but they found a bottle of Blanton's. Is it a waste for me to open it? I would say it's not a waste if you're curious, but if you don't like whiskey yet, then this is not going to be that miracle bottle that makes you like whiskey. So I would personally say wait till you're to the point that you enjoy whiskey, you've enjoyed some budget bourbons, and then try it. Um, maybe wait till your palate's slightly more developed, but by no means gatekeep it or anything. Like, go ahead and try it if you're curious. It's not going to go bad if you drink one glass of it. If you drink one glass and you think, uh, I don't think I'm fully appreciating it, then you can put it back on a shelf and wait a while. Have I ever had Lead Slinger's bourbon? I have not. Do I have any Blanton's? I have one bottle right now. What is my favorite Irish whiskey? I am still newer to Irish whiskey compared to some people. I don't have vast experience in Irish whiskey, but I'd say my favorite is probably Redbreast 12 Year. The next question, what's a new hot trend in bourbon and what's an old one that's burned out? I think a new trend, new-ish, new is a very relative term, is probably finishing, doing finished bourbons. Angels Envy made it huge. They made it popular. And I like finished bourbons. Um, toasted barrels instead of charred barrels are becoming very popular, it would seem. And then an old trend. So I'm going to be very transparent. I don't think I've been around long enough to give you an old, old trend. But something that seems to me like an older trend is bottled and bond. It seems like it was big there for a minute. And it just doesn't seem as big anymore. Um, it's not very talked about. But I still really like bottled and bond stuff. So I wouldn't say that it's bad. It's just maybe not as hyped as it used to be. 
The next question, have you had any chance to try whiskey from the Starlight Distillery? I have not, and I guess that's all I can really say about that. So moving on to the next one. I'm new to whiskey, and I can't find Buffalo Trace. Should I buy it online? Here's what I'll say about that. If you spend more than $30, you might be disappointed. If you spend more than $40, you probably will be disappointed. So um, if you are spending more than $40, just knowing this isn't going to taste like a $40 or $50 whiskey, but I'm spending this amount of money just so that I can try it, then I say go ahead and go for it. But don't expect it to be a $40 or $50 whiskey. The next question, what are my favorite three whiskeys for mixed drinks? I usually for mixed drinks, it's it's whatever is less than $30 or maybe less than $40 and almost gone in my collection. If something's getting low and I need to get rid of it before it starts to go bad, then I will just use that uh, for my mixed drinks. But to give out three, I would say um, I love Evan Williams Bottled and Bond. I will say Jameson because I like Jameson and it's an Irish whiskey. I don't mix a lot of scotch, so let's just say Jack because most bars have Jack, so I order Jack and Coke a lot if I'm just at a bar. The next question, what do I think of the show Moonshiners? Have I learned anything from it? I used to think it was very entertaining, but I don't really watch cable anymore. Um, But I didn't, I wouldn't say I learned from it. I think you're better off if you're trying to learn stuff in that realm, you're probably better off with YouTube. But um, I did enjoy it back in the day. Have I ever had Cream of Kentucky and would I do a review on it? I would do a review on it if it was available in Ohio, but it doesn't appear to be based on the OHLQ app. The next question, do I think Benchmark Bourbon and Rebel Yell taste very similar? In the sense that they both have a very vague bourbon-y taste and they're both lower shelf, then yes, I think they taste similar. But I think they have slightly different profiles. There's slightly, slightly different things going on with both of them. The next question, is there any rare bourbon, or what rare bourbon, sorry, that I want the most that I don't already have? Definitely any type of Pappy Van Winkle. I would just like to have one because I feel like it would just go well with the fact that I really enjoy Buffalo Trace. I have had old Rip Van Winkle, but I've never had any of the, any else of the Pappy lineup, so I'd like to have one of those. This next question was commented for context on the photo of the Jefferson's Ocean that I put on my story. They asked the voyage number, and I said number 28, and I did enjoy that, actually, that voyage 28. Next question, does the type of glass that you use impact the flavor or the taste of the sip? I actually did just do a video on this on Glen Cairns and why we use them. Um, it's a very big difference for the nose, in my opinion. Maybe a small difference for the flavor in that it's evaporating a little bit slower. Maybe. Um, and there's an episode coming up on that here pretty soon. The next comment that I had on the story was there's a really good one on the Mississippi that I enjoy called Ingram Bourbon, this person said. And I said, that sounds good. I may have to try it. The next question, what are your thoughts on Blanton's? I think it's overhyped, but it's still a good bourbon, and I will happily pay the 55-ish dollars that it is in Ohio for it. The next question also commented on that photo of the Jefferson's Reserve. Um, I I lumped these two together. Somebody said, how is it? And somebody else said, that's one of my favorites. Um, So I I did kind of answer that already, but I did like it a lot, the Jefferson's Ocean. So I, I enjoyed it. The next question, did I enjoy my first sip of whiskey? This person says they hated theirs and they wrote it off. I did not enjoy it at all. I despised the first glass of whiskey that I had. And the first sip, technically, was one that my dad gave me um, when I was a little bit younger. I think it was to scare me away from whiskey, and he succeeded. I thought it was absolutely disgusting. And um, so, yeah, I, I didn't like it for a long time. And I actually talk about this in one of my episodes. I think it's called My Whiskey Journey So Far or something like that. Um, I hated whiskey, and I didn't have any of the tips or tricks that I try to put out on the internet for everybody else. And that is what inspired the podcast, essentially. But um, I didn't have any of those tips or tricks. So I just drank it until I liked it. And that's what inspired one of the things that inspired me to come up with the podcast and post all of the tips that I post. 
have the episodes that I have and post on the social medias to try to help folks like that because I could have easily been scared scared away from whiskey if I wasn't as stubborn as I am. This next person said, I love Jefferson Ocean. Are the other Jeffersons any good? I honestly don't remember. I did have uh, just a normal Jefferson's bourbon, I think. I don't remember what it tasted like or if I liked it that much or not, but I will say I think they have something very clever going on with their ocean idea. I think it's a very clever idea, and I think it's pretty cool. I enjoy it. The next question, have I been on the Kentucky Bourbon Tour? And they asked which distillery to go to if I had, uh, but I have not. And I think I mentioned this in the last episode, actually. I am planning my first trip there. Um, as I'm kind of planning it right now. Um, it'll be in the relatively near future but it just hasn't been in the cards. The podcast takes a lot of time, and when I first started, I was a broke college kid. So we're just getting to the point where we can probably do that. I'm pretty excited to go, though. And the final question, what is this? I had to save this one for last because it's kind of fun. What is my most hot take? What is the most overrated bourbon that lots of people like but I don't? I don't know if I have a hot take in terms of a bourbon that I don't like that everybody likes, but... I would say my hottest take is probably that I like Buffalo Trace more than Eagle Rare a lot of the time. Eagle Rare is Buffalo Trace's big brother. He's aged longer. I don't know why I called it a he. It is aged longer. And so it's Buffalo Trace's big brother. It's a little bit more expensive. I like Buffalo Trace more most of the time. If I'm in the mood for Eagle Rare, then I like it more than Buffalo Trace, obviously, because I'm specifically in the mood for it. But um the age brings a little bit extra spiciness a little bit extra barrel characteristic but for me with eagle rare specifically it's almost a little bit harsh from it and i like buffalo trace a little bit better sometimes um so the 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 tannic flavor that comes with it i don't like as much as i like the flavors of buffalo trace i guess so that's probably my hottest take that wasn't the quickest answer in the world for my lightning round but it is the last question so i had to round it out with a good one so all great questions this week guys or this month i should say so thank you so much for submitting your questions hopefully i answered them satisfactorily i don't think that's the word but hopefully i answered them um well enough for you and i'm gonna keep it with the lightning rounds for as long as i can they are a little bit time consuming i have to plan out my answers beforehand and try not to ramble which if you've been around for any amount of time you know i'm terrible at i love to ramble that's why i podcast but i will try to continue to keep up with them for the time being Um, Otherwise, maybe we'll come up with some different solutions for how we narrow down the questions in the future. Let's round it out with our mystery whiskey tasting. I'm going to get pretty specific here. I don't even need to taste it again to tell you. This has a very weird flavor that comes from the communication of the chemical type flavor with the grainy or malty type flavor. If you have been listening to the show for a while, you've probably nailed it down that this whiskey smells like my biology class when we had to dissect rats to me specifically. And not entirely, just a little bit. Just just, just enough that I can't really stand it. Um, I wanted to give it a fair shake and try it again. And here's what I will say. I still smell that smell. Um, but if I ignore it on the nose as much then the palate's not as bad as I remember it being. I really didn't like the palate, I think, because that smell had me so psyched out. Um, if I kind of just ignore the smell a little bit and just go right into the palate, it's sweeter than I remember, 
definitely not very dry, so that's nice. It's a little bit oily, um, but still not my cup of tea, I would say, or my cup of Japanese whiskey. I am drinking Tenjaku Japanese whiskey, and yeah, I, I mentioned before that it, it has this chemically taste to it, chemically smell more than the taste, honestly, that I'm not a huge fan of. Um, but I gave it a fair shake, and I will say I can see where somebody might see the appeal. I don't want to tell people not to buy it. I would just say that um, you have to enjoy – go back and listen to that episode. I think it's 72. You have to enjoy the flavors that I talk about in that episode to enjoy this. And for me, it's just it's just not there for me. I don't know. But I'll keep it on my shelf, and if anybody likes it or wants to try it that comes over and tries my whiskeys, they're more than welcome to a couple glasses. So that's all I've got for this episode. The mystery review, once again, can help you with your blind tastings, help you with remembering notes and recognizing whiskeys by their notes. At least that's the hope. If nothing else, I think it's a little bit of fun and you get to have a little bit of interaction and try to guess what it is. So once again, thank you to everybody who submitted these questions. We have had overwhelming support lately, um, especially through the Instagram page. I'm so grateful for all you guys. Don't stop. Don't feel like I'm discouraging you because I'm doing these lightning rounds. I'll happily keep doing them as long as I'm able to. If not, like I said, we'll come up with something a little bit different to narrow down the questions, but keep them coming. um, And just thank you for your support. Thank you for the overwhelming support lately. I'm so grateful for it. And I will keep the content coming as much as humanly possible. So that's all I've got for this Q&A episode of Whiskey Noobs. I will leave you guys with learn to drink, drink to learn. Thank you for listening to this episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you like the show, please make sure to leave a five-star rating or review to help grow the show and get the word out. You can also find more Whiskey Noobs content on Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs and on TikTok at whiskey noobs podcast. If you want to drink right along with me, make sure to join the email list by sending an email to whiskey noobs podcast at gmail.com with a subject line saying email list. You will receive monthly emails with a list of the whiskeys that will be featured throughout the month so that you can buy them ahead of time and drink right along with the show. Once again, thanks for listening to this episode. The Whiskey Noobs podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol.